Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you. I'm going solo today. It is Monday, October 28th. Not a very happy Monday, but, uh, you know, at this point, it's almost like we should be used to it, although I personally can never get used to it. The Giants coming off a 31-26 loss to the Detroit Lions. Basically, same stuff, different week. Uh, defense couldn't really stop anybody, especially in the passing game. The offense played a little bit better, still some head-scratching decisions. We're going to try and break it all down for you over the next three segments, try and give you a little bit therapy, um, weigh in on a few things, and try to put some stuff into perspective for you. But first, a couple quick housekeeping notes. Tomorrow is Twitter Tuesday, so you know the drill. If there's something I don't address today and you really need an answer to it, you know, to get, get that into me, make, make sure you tag it, ask P train and send it to me on Twitter at Patricia underscore trainer. You can email it to me as well at lockdown giants podcast at gmail.com. Wednesday, it is the crossover show with Landon McCool. He is one of the co-hosts of the lockdown Cowboys podcast. And then we're just going to keep going through the rest of the week, see what it brings up. The Giants with an extra day to prepare for their Monday night football game against the Dallas Cowboys a week from today. So first, let's go back and see if we can make some sense of the Giants' fourth loss in a row, um, a 31-26 loss to the Detroit Lions on the road. Now, before I get into the the statistics and the specifics here, I just want to revisit something. For those of you who don't know, I'm also a site manager over at si.com slash NFL slash Giants. It's the Giants Maven for Sports Illustrated. And every week I put up a 10 points. uh, I call it a first in 10 column. I do it every Saturday in which I take up a collection of thoughts and observations and I put them into this big column and I post that, you know, the Saturday or the day before a game. And, um, This week, there was something in there that I touched upon, and I want to mention it to start off this segment. And one of the things that I talked about was how the Giants, who at the beginning of the year, you know, turned the locker room into kind of a recreational center. They had the couches, the cushiony, you know, sofas, they had the ping pong table, they had the cornhole toss, connect four, all kinds of stuff. And... It's, it's funny because watching that scenario and just watching how, what that locker room had become, I get what Pat Shermer was trying to do. He was trying to get the players away to relax and whatnot, but there was also the risk of that interfering with teaching these guys the proper way to work. And I say that because when I go to work, and I don't know about anybody else out there, but when I go to work, my office doesn't have, you know, games. It doesn't have a couch. It doesn't have comfy chairs where I can lean back and I can, I can relax or take a nap or whatnot. It has my computer. It has a hard chair. It has my notepads, everything I need in order to do my job. 
And that's the way I want it. I don't want those temptations of home, you know, to to say, oh, you know what, I'm going to take a few minutes and I'm going to go rest or I'm going to play a video game or whatever. I need to focus on what I'm doing because if the second I don't focus is when I start making mistakes and don't deliver the quality of work that I know that I am capable of delivering. I bring this up because I wonder if perhaps the giants fell into that trap, you know, in other words, you you'd walk into the locker room, you would see a lot of young players, especially, you know, sit on the couch with their phones or t- laying back and taking a nap. You'd see the intense connect four games or the ping pong games or the cornhole toss. And it just wasn't a very good look, uh, you know, to, to an outsider, just it, it, it was almost like, you know, is this a workplace? Or what exactly are we doing here? And just at the sake of going back to the Tom Coughlin era, Tom Coughlin never allowed that in the locker room. He never allowed the players to play games. He never allowed them to bring food into the locker room because he believed that the locker room was a place of work. It was an extension of their job. And, you know, their their responsibility was to come in there, you know, keep their lockers clean. Um, you know, they could congregate, obviously. They could sit and talk with each other. They could, you know, hang out and whatnot. But games and all that other stuff, anything that wasn't part of the job just wasn't allowed in that locker room. Pat Shermer has gone away from that. Now, to the players' credit, they have stopped with the games. They haven't, you know, they, they I think they stopped that, I want to say, two or three weeks ago. So it's a little bit better now in terms of, you know, focus. But the question that I have is, is it too little too late? And I mention this because you've got a lot of young players in that locker room. And I can't speak to every college program out there. But I know for student athletes, they try and make it as, you know, comfortable as can be and and whatnot, because, you know, it, it is an optional sport in college. It's not really their job there to, you know, to play football, though some of them might see it that way. Uh, and treat it that way, you know, as as a training ground for the NFL. This is not college. This is your job. And I just wonder if perhaps maybe they were a little too lax in that locker room. Now, for what it's worth, the Giants used to have a dedicated players lounge, which they have since converted into, I think it's called a recovery lounge, where the players can go and get treatment and whatnot. So I'm going to be curious to see if moving forward in the second half of the season, will the Giants perhaps take some of those couches out of there and just get back to that locker room being what it's supposed to be, which is a work environment for players to study, for players to, you know, bounce ideas off of one another. You know, look, if you want to take a break, I get it. You know, you can't work 24-7. If you want to take a break, go down to the cafeteria. There's always lunchtime. I'm sure there are other breaks throughout the day. Just, you know, I, I, I just had my doubts about that setup. And unfortunately, I think that might have contributed somewhat to the losing you know, obviously, the losing is also to the to the um, to the play on the field. But you know, you you wonder just how much that actually uh, contributed. The other thing I want to talk about in this segment, and this is something also I mentioned in that ten point article, the media does not get to see the practices, the full practices during the season. And we often hear the coaches talk about the fundamentals. You know, you've got to you got to get the fundamentals squared away. 
You've got to make sure that, you know, you're, you're fundamentally sound. And I don't know, when I look at this Giants team, I just see a lot of instances where it just seems like they're being coached to the scheme as opposed to the fundamentals. And it leaves me wondering, what are they doing in practice? You know, are they working on, for example, tackling or angles or getting off balls or, or making sure that they don't drop, you know, passes that are right in their hands? These are all mistakes that seem to pop up week after week after week. And it leaves me wondering just what is it they are doing in practice that this is an ongoing problem? And, you know, it's two weeks now until the Giants go into their bye, at which point I'm sure Pat Shermer and his staff and Dave Gettleman and and team ownership, they're going to sit down and they're going to evaluate everything. And I imagine there'll be some changes made and whatnot, but just really a bunch of head scratchers from an overall big picture standpoint, stuff that I just hope that when the players have their player only meeting today, which they are scheduled, you know, they talked about having in the locker room on, on Sunday, they said they were going to have a players only meeting. The hope is that they just come up, um, you know, some of these, uh, come up with some of these answers moving forward, because this is just not acceptable football. You can't just say, all right, well, you know what, they, they've given up or, oh, they're, they're young. You know, they've got all this, these young players. At this point, a lot of those guys aren't rookies anymore. You know, after six weeks, they're not rookies anymore. And, you know, they just need to start playing better, playing what they're capable of playing. And I don't know if it's the individual effort. I don't know if it's the coaching or if it's a combination of the two, but here's hoping they come up with an answer and they come up with one really, really soon. You're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trainer. We're going to take our first break, come back, and I'm going to talk more about the uh, Giants' latest loss. So please stay with us if you can. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. The Locked On Giants podcast is brought to you in part by BlueChew.com. Visit BlueChew.com and enter promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first shipment for only $5 shipping and handling. That's BlueChew.com. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you. I'm going solo today because oh, so much to talk about, so much to say. I don't know that I'm even going to get everything in in this segment, but I'm going to certainly try. Um, you've, if you've read my coverage, you probably, you know, we, we've touched upon a lot of stuff, but I, I want to touch upon something in this segment that... I'm not going to say was totally to blame for the loss. Um, we know what the culprits are, you know, the pass defense allowing five big pass plays of 20 plus yards, uh, two of which were for 40, went for uh, 40 or more yards. But, um, you know, one thing I want to, I want to talk about, and this doesn't get mentioned a lot, and I think it's worth mentioning the kicking game by Aldrick Rosas in this week's game at any rate. I think was a big factor in the Giants loss. You know, there was the missed point after touchdown, um, which at the time you didn't think much of, but, you know, ultimately that's what I think led to Pat Shermer chasing points in the third quarter when he, pers- when he went for two instead of kicking the point after. And 
by the way, missing any kind of cake inside a controlled environment, inside a building is just, you know, you just don't want to see that. It's just unheard of. It's unacceptable, you know, because there's no wind, there's no conditions to affect your kick. So really not sure what happened there, but certainly not a good look from the Giants Pro Bowl kicker. But the other thing, um, you know, that I think factored into the equation was at the end of the game when Rosas had a chance to execute an onside kick and that onside kick went out of bounds. And I just thought those were two plays. They're not gonna, probably not going to get a lot of mention um, in the grand scheme of things, but they were two plays that I think were very instrumental in the Giants' loss. Now, again, it wasn't all on him. I'm not saying that, but um, it was a factor and it's something that the Giants need to be better with. Uh, now, on the flip side, you can talk about the kickoff returns. And why it took five kickoff returns with Darius Slayton as your returner before you made a change and put a more experienced Cody Latimer back there. Now, for those who missed it, what the Lions were doing is they were kicking off short to force a return by Slayton. And the tactic worked because I don't think Slayton got more than 30 yards on any one kickoff. And I think most of his kickoff returns ended up being stopped, I want to say, inside of the 20, which meant that the Lions won the field position battle on kickoffs. So that was a big thing in this game and why the Giants lost. So just a couple of, you know, Thoughts that I, I don't think, like I said, are going to get a, a whole lot of mention, but just something that I happened to notice and made a note of in my notebook. Now, another thing I, that, that really kind of perplexes me, for lack of a better term, I don't know that this Giants team has an identity. In other words, okay, they've gone to Daniel Jones. I get that. I have no problem with that. They're getting Darius Slayton involved. They're getting Dexter Lawrence involved. You're getting O'Shane and Simenez involved. They're getting all these young guys involved. But why not get Julian Love involved? I mean, if you're going to let all these young kids cut their teeth, why is Julian Love not part of that? Why, when he's healthy, is Corey Ballantyne not, not part of that? At this point, can those two guys, if they are healthy and able to contribute, can they be any worse than what we have seen? The breakdowns in coverage, especially in that defensive secondary. You know, I mean, Antoine Bethe took responsibility for that long touchdown catch by, um, I believe it was Kenny Galladay. You know, could, could Julian Love be any worse? I mean, you, you look at the film of the Giants and a lot of times they play you know, the free safety so deep. I mean, he's like 15, 20 yards out of the picture, which I get it. You know, I, I kind of understand the concept, but if there's no speed to make up ground, aren't you hurting yourself in the long run? I mean, I, I just don't understand what they're doing there and why they're just not, you know, at this point with the season basically down the toilet, why not get these two young kids? Again, when Valentine is healthy, he was a scratch this week, but why not at least give Julian Love some snaps, see what he brings to the table? What are you waiting for at this point? The other thing I don't understand on defense is I don't think we saw a whole lot of blitzes by James Betcher in this game either. I, I didn't keep track of the number 
Um, I have a rough idea, but I think I stopped counting after a certain certain point. Not a lot of blitzing. And, and you know, if you're going to sit there and you're going to say, oh, I want this defense to be an aggressive attacking style, where's the aggressiveness? Where's the attacking? I mean, do you have faith in your back, your back seven? I, I don't know. I mean, usually if you have faith in your back seven, you'll be able to send a, an extra guy. And, and here's the other thing. The Lions' running game was really no threat. They lost their top runner, and they were really no threat. So you mean to tell me, you know, you you really need to, you know, you, you to stack up the box or something? You could. I I just didn't get it. I just didn't get that whole sequence and, and the whole game plan. Now, as I record this, I haven't looked at the tape again. I will look at the tape, and maybe it'll make more sense. But I just don't understand what was going on there. The officiating. Now, I made the comment during the game that I did not agree with the call about the roughing the kicker uh, that was called on David Mayo. And as some of you probably know, I have um, available to me a resource, a gentleman who used to be an NCAA official. He's now retired, but he's very, you know, up to up to date on NCAA rules as well as NFL rules. And anytime I have a question about why something was called or why something wasn't called, I can always shoot him an email and he usually responds. And, you know, he explained that the call against David Mayo was abided by the book. I mean, in other words, it was, you know, they did make contact. David Mayo did make contact with the uh, Lions punter. Now, was it blatant punt, uh, contact? No. But, you know, the rule states that if contact's made, and even though, you know, the punter put on an, an Academy Award winning performance and, and taking the, the, you know, the old flop, the, the flag came out. And, you know, I haven't been thrilled with the officiating. I, I think I'm probably not alone in that regard. But with that said, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, one or two bad calls per week are what doing is what's doing the Giants in it, it? The Giants are doing themselves in with bad angles, with miscommunications, with not executing the fundamentals. All those things are costing them. And again, I don't know what's going to come of this players' meeting if it's going to provide a spark. But uh, this, you know, they they got to figure this out and they got to start showing progress because right now. There's just none to be had. There's no reason to really feel good about this team. And who knows if there will be, you know, hopefully they can figure it out and 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 win a couple of games. But right now, they are only one game better than they were at this point last year. And that's just not good enough. You're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trena. We're going to take one final break as we continue to talk through This is therapeutic for me. I hope it's therapeutic for you. So stay with us. We will be right back. Welcome back, Giant fans to Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you. Just talking through some of what happened in the Giants 31-26 loss to the Detroit Lions. Um, Look, you know, sometimes if you talk these things out, it becomes a little bit therapeutic and uh, I don't know if it's going to make anybody feel any bit bet, any better about the direction that the franchise seems to be headed. But, uh, you know, hopefully, and, and I know I say this every year, I say this probably every week, hopefully better, better days are ahead for the Giant fan base. Because look, I know you guys have been 
uh, struggling. You, you guys have been hurting. You deserve a lot better. And I wish I had concrete answers for you. All I can do is, is draw, you know, educated uh, opinions and, and um, leave it for you to draw your own conclusions. So let's continue with that. And let's turn our attention now to specifics from the game. Okay, first, let's talk about something good. All right, we've been talking about bad stuff. Let's talk about something good. Daniel Jones, 28 of 41 for 322 yards, four touchdowns, a rating of 124.2. Also had four rushes for 13 yards. Uh, a nice bounce back game from the rookie who, by the way, he also had a turnover, but the turnover, uh, quite frankly, you know, he got creamed. I mean, let's, let's, let's call it what it is. He got absolutely crushed from behind, lost the handle on a ball. Uh, and, uh, Devon Kennard, the former giant linebacker scooped it up. Returned to 13 yards for a touchdown. But you know what? The thing I like most about Daniel Jones is no matter what happens to him, whether it's good or bad, that young man keeps coming back and he keeps chopping away at the wood, doesn't get too down, doesn't get too, too high. Um, just you couldn't ask for a better demeanor from your quarterback. And, and that's what's going to help this young man, I think, survive the trials and tribulations of playing quarterback in New York City. So uh, good job by him. The other thing that I like in in this game was Darius Slayton. Now, I've been very high on Darius Slayton since getting a look at him and, you know, ever since he kind of straightened out his, his ball security issues way back in the springtime. Darius Slayton finished with only two catches out of five balls for 50 yards. He did have a drop pass, but he also had two touchdown receptions and now is the Giants leader, leading wide receiver in the touchdown departments. I think he's tied with Evan Ingram, tight end, for uh, the team lead with three, but out of the receivers, Slayton is the leader. Now, what I like about this is that Jones and Slayton just look so natural playing, you know, pitch and catch to each other. And that goes back to, you know, the fact that, you know, back in the spring, those two have had a lot of opportunity to work with each other. So even though Slayton had the injury in the summertime, had to miss a lot of reps, didn't get to work with Daniel Jones as much at the time when Daniel Jones was, you know, the second string quarterback at the time. The work they got done in the spring, I think, has really benefited them. And the fact that they were able to keep that and, and build off of it, even though Slayton had to deal with an injury that cost them the first two games of the season, just speaks a lot to the work that the two of them have done. And there's a, a really neat article on uh, the Giants Maven site, si.com slash NFL slash Giants. It was written by Emily Inaconi, and she wrote about how Darius Slayton has been making up for lost time, um, in the time that he lost when he was injured, and just some of the activities that receivers coach uh, Tyke Tolbert has put him through. Really a good article. If you get a chance to check it out, it should be uh, still on the page. Um, fantastic article. She did a great job with that and uh, very telling. All right. Now, something I didn't like. The Giants are getting a little predictable on offense on their play call. And I'm going to go to a series in the third quarter. 
It was after the Lions scored on a uh, nine-yard touchdown pass to Kenny Galladay. The Giants' first possession of the third quarter, down 24-13 now. Okay, the first possession, I counted four times on first down. The Giants sent Saquon Barkley on a run up the middle. And he gained exactly, let's see, two yards, no yards, one yard, and one yard. So he gained four yards on those four runs up the middle total. All right. Not a very good look. Now, listen, I get it. You want to put the ball in the hands of your best playmaker. And Saquon Barkley is hands down the best playmaker on this Giants team. But when you establish a pattern like this, and by the way, this pattern continued into the next Giants drive in that third quarter where their first two uh, first down runs were Saquon Barkley up the middle and then Saquon Barkley tried to bounce it off the right uh, the right end um, and he gained a total of one yard on those two runs. But when you constantly do the same thing over and over, I don't care how good the player you are. When the defense knows what's coming because they have identified a trend, guess what? They're going to stop you. They're going to devote the resources necessary to stop you. And that's what we saw happen on this sequence. So here's the other thing I don't get. You know, Daniel Jones has been pretty good throwing on first down. I think he has a, I want to say almost a 68% completion rate when throwing on first down. Why not mix it up a little bit? You know, have them throw a little bit more on first down in, in, in those scenarios. You know, it, it just seemed like, I don't know, maybe the, the Lions knew what was coming, you know, the way they played it, the way they were able to stuff Saquon Barkley. And, you know, just there's, there's such a thing as, as, you know, establishing trends, whether you realize it or not. And this isn't the first game the Giants have done this. You can go back to other game books and there were instances where, you know, you look and you see on first down, Saquon Barkley's running up the middle. And look, you know, teams study this stuff. This is analytics. This is trends. This is all stuff that they use to game plan. And, you know, until such time when the Giants coaches look at this and say, oh, geez, you know, we've been you know, we, we've been establishing a trend. We need to uh, to uh, change it up. Uh, I don't see that they're going to have much success moving forward in that regard. I really don't. Okay, what else did, can I say about this game that hasn't already been said? Um, for the most part, the statistics, if you go down the, the, the final team statistics, not too much of a huge difference. I mean, the Giants, 58% on third down versus the Lions, 57%. The Giants were 0%, 0 for 2 on fourth down. Net yards, the Giants fell five yards short of the Lions total, 370 to 375. Although the Giants had seven more plays than the, the Lions had on offense. Rushing yardage was 80 to 59, Giants favor. Uh, let's see, passing yards, the Lions beat them 316 to 290. But again, the Lions had s some big chunk plays in which they cashed in on. Um, let's see, penalties, Giants had five, the Lions had seven. Goal to go, the Giants were two or three, the Lions one of one. Time of possession, here's, a, here's an interesting thing. The Giants actually won time of possession. Um, 
to uh, the Lions 29-13. So just a weird type of game. And, and it boils down to, I guess, um, you know, execution boils down to, to miscommunications. And gosh, that defense, they've got to figure out and, and just pull it together because that defense is just, it struggled. It, it, it you know, look, when you lose as a, a game, you usually lose as a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. But the Giants defense, I don't know what the answers are. It is a young group. There is some promise there. I don't know if it's the scheme. I don't know exactly what's going on. All I can do is just hope, like you guys are, that they figure it out and that better days are ahead because, you know, this is another season, unfortunately, that looks like it's going to end when it's, you know, after the 17-game slate is played. And, um, you know, the rebuild takes time, folks, but, you know, you got to see progress moving forward. And I don't know that, you know, we're seeing enough progress moving forward and, Hopefully that will change moving forward. So, All right, Giant fans, thank you as always for listening. I hope you found this therapeutic as I did. Uh, make sure, again, you tune in tomorrow. It is a Twitter Tuesday. Ask P-Train. Make sure you tag them. Ask P-Train. You can email questions to me at Podcast at gmail.com. Wednesday is the crossover show. So until then, we will talk to you soon. Have a great rest of the day.